And the Lord be with you. Thank you so much. I'm John, and this is Anna. We're among the pastors here at Pillar, and we're going to try to preach together today. Does that sound okay? Okay, there's like 18 people who think this is a good idea or so. (laughs) So listen with us to the book of Ruth. It's in the Old Testament, but we're going to actually ask you to keep your Bibles closed. When was the last time you heard a pastor say, keep your Bible closed? Uh, Not because we're worried about you auditing our memory work, um, but because we want the God of Boaz and Ruth and Naomi to come off the page and into your heart and unfold a redemption story just like the one here in Ruth. So we're going to pray and then we're going to meander. So I just said, close your Bibles, and I'm like, half of you just opened them. <laughs> we're going to pray, and then we're going to meander with Boaz and Naomi and Ruth through the fields. Let's pray. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of the Lord endures forever. So enduring word, Jesus... Meet us here now. Amen. Amen. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. And a certain man of Bethlehem and Judah went to live in the country of Moab. He and his wife and his two sons. The name of the man was Elimelech, and the name of his wife, Naomi, and the names of his two sons were Malan and Chilion. They were Ephrathites of Bethlehem and Judah. They went to Moab and remained there, and while they were there, Elimelech, the husband of Naomi, died, and She was left with her two sons. These took Moabite wives. The name of one was Orpah. The name of the other, Ruth. When they'd been there 10 years, Malan and Chilion also died. And she was left without her two sons and her husband. So she set out from the country of Moab for she, with her daughters-in-law, for she had heard in the country of Moab that the Lord had considered his people and given them food. So she went from the place where she had been living with her two daughters-in-law to go back to the land of Judah. But Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go, each of you, back to your mother's house, and may the Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. May, may you each seek security in the house of your husband. And they wept aloud. And she kissed them. But they said, no. We will return with you to your people. But Naomi said, Turn back, my daughters. Why will you go with me? Do I have sons in my womb that they should become your husbands? Turn back, for I am too old to have a husband. Even if I thought... There was hope for me. 
even if I were to have a husband tonight and bear sons, would you then wait for them to grow up? Would you then refrain from marrying? No, it has been far more bitter for me than for you. And the hand of the Lord has turned against me. And they wept aloud again. And Orpah kissed her. But Ruth clung to her. Naomi said to her, See, your sister-in-law has gone back to her land and her people and her gods. Go after your sister-in-law. But Ruth said, Do not press me to leave you or turn back from following you. Where you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people will be my people. Your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. May the Lord do thus and so to me and more also if even death parts me from you. And when Naomi saw that she was determined to go with her, she said no more to her. So the two of them went on to Bethlehem. And when they came to Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them. The women said, is this Naomi? And Naomi said, Call me no longer Naomi. Call me Mara, for the Lord has dealt bitterly with me. I went away full, and the Lord has brought me back empty. Call me Mara, for the hand of the Lord has turned against me, and the Almighty has brought calamity on me. So the woman went back with Ruth, the Moabite, who returned with her from the country of Moab. They came to Bethlehem at the beginning of the barley harvest. Now, Naomi had a kinsman on her husband's side from the family of Elimelech, a prominent rich man whose name was Boaz. And Ruth said to Naomi, Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, let me go and glean among the sheaves of grain behind the reapers, behind someone in whose sight I might find favor. So she said to her, go, my daughter. So she went. So Ruth gathered and gleaned behind the reapers. And as it happened, she came to the part of the field belonging to Boaz. Just then, Boaz came from Bethlehem to the field. Boaz said to all the reapers, the Lord be with you. And the reaper said to him, the Lord bless you. And then Boaz said to the servant who was in charge of the reapers, to whom does that young woman belong? And the servant who was in charge of the reapers said to him, she's the Moabite who came back with Naomi from the country of Moab. She came and said, please let me glean and gather among the reapers. So she's been here since early morning on her feet and has not stopped to rest for even a moment. So Boaz said to Ruth, Listen now, my daughter. Do not go to glean in another field, but keep close to my young women. Keep your eyes on the field that is being gleaned and stay behind them. I've ordered my young men not to bother you. 
If you are thirsty, drink the water from the vessels that my young men have drawn. And she prostrated herself with her face to the ground and said, Why have I found favor in your sight that you should take notice of me when I'm a foreigner? And Boaz answered, All that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband has been fully told to me. How you left your father and mother and native land and came to a place you did not know before. May the Lord reward you for your deeds. May you receive a full reward from the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you've come for refuge. And she said, may I continue to find favor in your sight, my Lord. For you have comforted me and spoken kindly to your servant, even though I'm not one of your servants. At mealtime, Boaz said to her, take some of the bread and take a morsel and dip it into the sour wine. And she sat beside the reapers and he heaped up for her some parched grain and she ate until she was full and had some left over. When she got up to glean, Boaz said to his young men, let her reap among the standing sheaves as well and do not reproach her. And Take handfuls from the bushels you've already reaped and leave them for her to glean. And do not rebuke her. So she gleaned until the evening. And she beat out what she had gleaned. It was about an ephah of barley. And she she picked it up and she went into town and her mother-in-law saw how much she had gleaned. And she took some and gave her from the leftovers after she herself had been satisfied. And her mother-in-law said, where did you glean today? With whom have you worked? Blessed be he by the Lord who's taken notice of you. And she told him, told her with whom she had worked. She said, the name of the man with whom I worked is Boaz. And Naomi said to Ruth, Blessed he be he by the Lord whose kindness has not forsaken the living or the dead. And she said, He's a relative of ours, a next of kin. And Ruth said to her mother-in-law, He even said, Stay with my servants until the end of the barley harvest. And Naomi said to Ruth, It's better, my daughters, for you to keep close to his young women, for you would be bothered in another field. So she kept close to the young young women of Boaz and gleaned with the servants until the end of the barley and wheat harvest. And she lived with her mother-in-law. Now Naomi, her mother-in-law, said to her, I need to seek some security for you my daughter, that it may be well with you. Now here is our kinsman, Boaz, with whose young women you've been reaping. He is winnowing barley tonight at the threshing floor. So go wash and anoint yourself and put on your best clothes and go to him on the threshing floor. But don't make yourself known to him until he has finished eating and drinking. And observe the place where he lies. And when he lies down, Uncover his feet and lie down there, and he will tell you what to do. So she said to her, All that you have said, I will do. So she went down to the threshing floor, as her mother-in-law had instructed. And after Boaz had eaten and drunk and was in a contented mood, 
he went to the end of the heap of grain and lie down. And the woman came stealthily and uncovered his feet and lay down. At midnight, the man was startled and turned and saw a woman. And he said, who are you? And she said, I'm Ruth, your servant. Spread your cloak over your servant, for you are a next of kin. And Boaz said, blessed be you by the Lord, for this last instance of loyalty is better than the first. For you didn't go after young men, whether rich or poor. Do not be afraid, my daughter. All that you ask, I will do for you. For my whole assembly of my people know you are a worthy woman. And though it's true, I am a next of kin. There's another kinsman more closely related than I. Remain here until morning. And in the morning, if he'll act as next of kin for you, good, let him do it. But if he will not act as next of kin for you, as the Lord lives, I will act as next of kin for you. Lie down until morning. So she lay at his feet until early morning. But she got up before you could recognize one person from another. For he had said, it must not be known that a woman came to the threshing floor. Then he said to her, bring me the cloak that you are wearing and hold it out. So she held it out and he measured for her six measures of barley and put it on her back. Then he went to the city. She came to her mother-in-law and she asked, how did it go with you, my daughter? And so she told her mother-in-law all that Boaz had done for her and said, he gave me six measures of barley. For he said, you must not go back to your mother-in-law empty-handed. And she said, wait until you see how this matter turns out. For he will not rest He will settle this matter today. No sooner had Boaz gone to the gate of the city and sat down than the next of kin of whom Boaz had spoken came passing by. And Boaz said to the next of kin, come over, friend, and sit down. So he went over and he sat down. Then Boaz took ten men of the elders of the city and said, sit down here. And they sat down. Then Boaz said to the next of kin, Naomi, who's come back from the country of Moab, is selling the parcel of land that belonged to our kinsman, Elimelech. I'm letting you know of it so that you can purchase it in the presence of those sitting at the gate and in the presence of the elders of my people. If you will redeem it, redeem it. If you will not redeem it, let me know because there was... No one closer of kin to redeem it, and I come after you. And the man said, I will redeem it. And Boaz said, in the day that you acquire the field from the hand of Naomi, you also acquire Ruth, the Moabite, the widow of the dead man. In order to maintain his name, the dead man's name, on his inheritance, at this The next of kin said, I cannot redeem it without damaging my own inheritance. Acquire my right of redemption, for I can't redeem it. Now, this was the custom in former times in Israel of exchanging and redeeming. The one would take his sandal and give it to the other. This was the manner of attesting in Israel. So, that was to confirm the transaction. So when the next of kin said to Boaz, acquire it for yourself, Boaz took, he he took off his sandal and gave it to Boaz. Then Boaz said to all the elders and the people, 
Today you are witnesses that I have acquired from the hand of Naomi all that belonged to Elimelech and Malan and Chilion. And I have also acquired Ruth the Moabite, the wife of Malan, as my wife, so as to maintain the dead man's name on his inheritance and to not cut off the name of the dead man from the gate of his inheritance and from his kindred. Then all the people gathered and the elders by the gate said, We are witnesses. May the Lord make the woman who is coming into your house like Rachel and Leah, who built up the house of the Lord together. And may you have children in Ephrathah, and may you establish a name in Bethlehem. And may the children that you have build up your house like the house of Perez, who Tamar bore to Judah. So Boaz took Ruth, and she became his wife. And when they came together, the Lord made her conceive, and she bore a son. And all the women said to Naomi, Blessed are you by the Lord, who has not left you without next of kin this day. May his name be renowned in Israel. May he be a restorer of your life and a nourisher of your old age for your daughter-in-law, who loves you, who is more to you than seven sons, has borne him to you. And Naomi took the child and laid him in her bosom, and she became his nurse. And all the women of the neighborhood gave him a name, saying, A son has been born to Naomi. They named him Obed, who was the father of Jesse, who was the father of David. These are the descendants of Perez. Perez is the father of Hezron, Hezron of Ram, Ram of Aminadab, Aminadab of Nashon, Nashon of Salmon, Salmon of Boaz, Boaz of Obed, Obed of Jesse, and Jesse of David. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. It's the book of Ruth. I cannot believe you're not dancing in the aisles. Did you not hear? Obed's the father of Jesse. Jesse's the father of David. The book of Ruth is so full and thick and beautiful and rich, and we're going to preach one sermon, one measly little sermon. It's like sending a kid into a candy shop and saying, you can only have one piece. There's so much here, but we'll do our best. Sort of like Calvin said the Psalms, the Psalter was like the anatomy of the soul. Like it includes all the parts of what your soul could experience. Maybe Ruth is like the anatomy of the heart. Every depth of despair and bitterness and every high, high of excitement and provision and joy and praise and blessing and, and everything in between, it's all contained in the book of Ruth. So... We won't try to cover it all. We just have one point for you, and then we'll come to the table. Who doesn't love a one-point sermon? (laughs) Here's the one big idea. God is going to accomplish his purposes in your life and in the world. God is going to accomplish his purposes in your life and in the world. If you want me to say it in Hebrew, then you can tattoo it on your forearm. God is going to accomplish his purposes in your life and in the world. There's got to be a few of you here sitting here this morning who are like, really, Pastor? 
That's real nice to say on a Sunday morning with the sun shining in a sanctuary like this, but have you buried your head in the sand? Do you know what's going on out there, Pastor? Terrorists attack and bombs explode and children die. Do you know what's going on, Pastor? Don't bring me some cheesy, cliche Christianity in the midst of an angry world. What are you doing? Well, Ruth. Ruth, it starts like this. In the days when the judges ruled. That's like the Bible's way of saying it's bad. It's real bad. Anarchy, chaos, it's a mess. That's where the book begins and the book ends. You love this part. I can tell you love this part. Salman of Boaz, Boaz of Obed, Obed of Jesse, and Jesse of David. It starts with the days the judges ruled. It's bad. It ends with David. David, who would take his seat on the throne. Peace, security, prosperity. Finally, God is going to accomplish his good purposes in your life and in the world. Now, to be fair, it took the book of Ruth 10 years. And that's not including the two more generations from Obed to David. So don't read the Bible, grab a verse and think, all right, God, you're on the hook now. And at the same time, God is going to accomplish his good purposes in your life and in the world. So here's the deal. As we make our way amidst the agony of life and the hurt that you may know, and I might not have any idea of what that is, be faithful. Live with integrity. God is going to accomplish his good purposes in your life and in the world. You can hold your shoulders back and your head held high. Let me show you a couple of things that I think are super interesting to make the point a little more forcefully. So you got that moment when Ruth goes down to the threshing floor. I could see you were like starting to get nervous and you bring your kids a little closer. And she uncovers his feet. Risque. Uh, the feet in the Bible is a euphemism. It could mean feet, you know. Like feet, right? Okay. It could also mean feet, you know, like the parts of our body we cover because of the shame of our nakedness. Ruth goes down to the threshing floor and uncovers his feet. Which feet? Don't you want to know? Ruth laid at his feet. Which is why Boaz, startled in the middle of the night, says, All of the assembly of my people know that you are a worthy woman. Didn't use the moment to seduce and manipulate, but offered herself to the better purposes of God's redeeming plan for the whole world. And then they wake up the next morning, and what does Boaz say to Ruth? Bring the cloak you are wearing and hold it out. Are you kidding me? What is happening right now? And she held it out. Now she's exposed. And he doesn't manipulate that moment to get his fleshly desires, but rather lives with faithfulness and integrity. Are you following me? Now here's where it gets even more interesting, if that isn't interesting enough. Boaz goes to the gate of the city. He finds the next of kin. As it would happen, he's just passing by. And he tells him, okay, it's yours if you want it. And he's like, I want it. Think about all that I could do with that field. I could make money on top of money. 
And then he finds out that Ruth the Moabite, the widow of the dead man, comes along with the property. He's out of there faster than Usain Bolt running a 100-meter yard dash. He is gone. And then Samuel, the author of the book Ruth, feels like it's really important that we know about some former custom of attesting to a transaction. And how does it go? Here's how you attest a transaction. You take off your sandal and you give it to someone else. In other words, he uncovered his feet. Isn't that kind of cool? Their feet are uncovered and they're exposed as faithful and people of integrity. This next of kin who goes unnamed, he uncovers his feet and he's exposed as a fraud, a fake. And notice, we never learn his name. In a book that insists on names, we never learn this guy's name. He's forgotten in history. And their faithfulness become the tools by which God accomplishes redemption, and it's not thwarted by his fraudulence. In other words, God is going to accomplish his good purposes in your life and in the world. And Obed is the father of Jesse, and Jesse the father of David. David, who would take his seat on the throne, pointing to another king who would one day rule and reign over all things, at whose name every knee will bow and every tongue will confess, Jesus Christ our Lord, who was born in a backwater town called Bethlehem, known for its bread, and he would say, I am the bread of life. He would take his seat on the throne called the cross and turn it in to his announcement of kingship, where he'd go to the grave that became like a womb for resurrection to rise up so that you and I can have life and have it in the full. God will accomplish his good purposes in your life and in the world. Amen? Amen. So be faithful. Live with integrity. Don't manipulate and coerce and co-opt to make it happen. There's a God who lives and reigns, who has a son, who is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Just take the pressure off. Just be faithful. Boaz is the father of Obed. Obed's the father of Jesse, and Jesse's the father of David. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.